Welcome into this week's edition of Talking Ball. My name is Jerry Hamilton, joined as always by Lifetime Longhorn and uh, the blanket and coverage Rod Babers. Um, we're, by the way, Talking Ball is uh, sponsored by John Donovan, Longhorn Wealth Management. So thank you to John Donovan for his continued support of Talking Ball. Rod, I'm going to set the tables for the Texas fans, what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about Steve Sarkeesian's Monday press conference. I thought this week, it's a bye week. Let's talk about what Sark had to say. He took the mic today um, after the tough loss to OU. Uh, had a lot of qu- took a lot of questions today. Um, spent a good thir- 25, 30 minutes with the media today. Rod, I'm going to get your thoughts on a lot of that stuff. And then this la- last part of the show, we're going to look at the, si- the six games left in the regular season. Texas is going to be heavily favored. Um, and we're going to talk about, you know, look, why this team should go 11-1. Um, there's a lot of reasons I think we all believe they should go 11-1. and You still got to win the games. That means you're not going to be tested. But there's a reason why they're going to be predicted by a touchdown or more in every game remaining. Uh, but before we get started, I'm going to take a second for our sponsor, John Donovan, president of Longhorn Wealth Management Group. John is a proud University of Texas graduate and a CFP. And while UT football has an off week, Longhorn Wealth Management Group never takes an off week from providing total wealth management services to their fellow UT alumni and UT employees and their respective family and friends, who John has been proudly serving for more than 30 years. October is Breast Cancer and Liver Cancer Awareness Month, so Longhorn Wealth wants to remind you that bad things do happen to good people. So please plan ahead and let Longhorn Wealth provide you and your loved ones with the best in independent life, disability, and long-term care insurance solutions for your protection and peace of mind. To learn how Longhorn Wealth can help provide the most appropriate insurance protections and investment solutions for you, your family, and your business, give John Donovan and the Longhorn Wealth team a call. It's 972 707 4900 or visit longhornwealth.net. Again, thank you to John Donovan, president of Longhorn Wealth Management Group. Uh, all right, Rod. Sark took the mic today, uh, Monday, after the tough 34 30 loss to Oklahoma. What were your kind of initial takeaways uh, before we get into a little bit more what he had to say? Uh, I, I thought Sark, as always, man, he was very forthcoming. I yep. thought he's very honest about you know, the things that he. Uh, regretted about the game and the way uh, some of the, the game played out, uh, but also about, you know, what he liked about the game. And I honestly, the, I think the situation on the goal line where Texas, you know, obviously had four shots on the goal line, couldn't, couldn't crack it. Um, when he was asked about that is probably the most telling uh, from the press conference. Um, I believe he said it sucked. Yeah. When he, when he jokingly, I believe he's, and obviously, he when he was asked about it, you had to go back and watch it. I believe his initial comment was, yeah, it sucked. Hey, um, the thing so, I always say, Rod, is the fans take that loss hard, but I don't think anybody takes it harder than the coaching staff. Especially no. coaches, these coaches, man, my dad was one. I've been around it. I grew up around it. These guys take these losses as tough as fans and the fan base does. So I, I hope the Texas fans understand that. And that that's what those was the first thing I wanted to ask you. What does Texas do in the red zone? Because Sark clearly, that's going to be a focus of theirs this week. He said yep. it. The whole the whole offensive staff, they've met on it. They've looked over every play. Um, they've gone over every red zone play. And you know that for that stop by OU definitely got under his skin. 
uh, for sure. But going one, he mentioned going one of three in the red zone and Oklahoma scoring 34 points on six red zone trips. Yeah, that is, I believe, is uh, aside from getting healthy, that's going to be the point of emphasis for Sark. And even mentioned that he would change up the play calling. Yes. And change up the play calling a little bit, said he would have something different on the fourth down. And I believe he said he would use the the play that he used on third down. On second down. down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he said he would play. He said, he, you know, he changed up the sequencing, but he acknowledged that that was, it was inadequate. Right, whatever he decides to do, you're on a one yard line uh, against Texas in Texas OU against your hated rival on the biggest stage in the country at that time, college football world watching, and you have, you know, essentially championed yourself as someone who advocates for big humans on the offensive line. And I think Sark was trying to make a statement, man. I think he was. I mean, he was because he said he was hard headed. He, I mean, he said I was uh, maybe I was hard headed, and I said that's that's amazing that he said that. I'm glad I mean, he did. that's a guy that does self-reflect, and that's how yeah. Texas fans know how how hard he took that loss. But keep going. Yep, that, that's what I like about Sark. Yep. Maybe more, more a Sark fan. Initially, I was more of a Sark critic, and I'm a Sark fan. His his man in the mirror moments, they're genuine. Yes, and he'll come out and he'll give you insight about the man in the mirror moment. Where, yep, I I reflected on that, and I didn't I didn't think that I called the right play, or I should have changed this, changed that. I really enjoy that about Sark. That's why, actually, honestly, the truth is. Most of the post-game press conferences from some of our other co- past coaches, I didn't even go listen to them. Right. They Same. weren't worth it. Same. It was from coach speak, and it was like, I'm not wasting my time. With Sark, it actually is interesting because he will give you nuggets. Uh, but getting back to it, I think I think he was. I think he was trying to make a statement that, hey, you know what? Like and you always, You've been saying this all year, Jerry. What you've liked about Texas running game is they can run the ball what? I'll let you finish it. They can uh-huh. run the ball. Oh, they're patient backs that can run the ball between well, the tackles. No, no, no. With, with Sark, though, he, he can run the ball when he wants oh, to run the ball. when he wants to and when he – That's can. what you've been saying. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm just I'm giving you credit because you've been saying all year. You're like, that's what they you like about the running game. The disappointing part in that, obviously, sequence of plays is, I mean, they wanted to run the ball. It was obvious. Yeah, they put the big bodies in. They told the world. It was a predictable play sequence because yeah. he was telling everybody, I, it doesn't matter if you know where I'm running. Right. I got bigger humans than you. We got better personnel than you. We're going to jam this down your throat. All right. So get ready. And it didn't happen. That is, that is a, that tell you that, that, that did change his mindset. And I think now he may go back to more creativity in the, yes. in the red zone. Totally the agree, Rod. Yeah. Not just trying to pound the rock against people. I, I expect, here's what I expect, because I think Sark is a tremendous offensive mind. And I think all these guys look, and I'm not saying anything negative about him. He said it himself, hard headed. That's what makes these guys really good, too. I, you know, so when we say, okay, maybe you know, he's been predictable a little bit early on uh, to start a game. Well, he, he's going to know that, but that's what makes these guys really good, too. I mean, they, they've had so much success doing what they have done, right? Um, I, Rod, I really expect on the goal line in running situations for them to take a look and say, okay, Jonathan Brooks is a tremendous back, but he's not a power back. He's not necessarily the guy you're going to hand it to on the two-yard line um, in that type of set. Uh, he's more of a patient runner that mm-hmm. likes to be very calm with his feet, let Agreed. a play develop, read a linebacker. That's not what those plays are. That's nope. not his strength as a runner. Cedric Baxter, if he can get healthy, I think can be that guy. But I still wonder if we're going to see Savion Red now that he's out of the uh, – he's not playing from behind the chains anymore. Um, exactly. 
Because to me, you know, if I'm sitting in an office of Sark, I'm saying, hey, this guy's he runs pissed off. He has a low center of gravity, and he's going to kneecap some linebacker to get the ball over the goal line himself. Instead of getting kneecap, he's going to kneecap somebody with his helmet to ensure he gets over the goal line. So yeah. in those sets, and he can also hide. In those sets, he I can. just wonder if Savion's going to end up being that guy unless Cedric Baxter gets healthy. Uh, but, Rob, what else do you kind of expect to see in the red zone? I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously we're guessing here. We're spitballing, but that's what we're here to do. Uh, oh, yeah, no doubt. Do you I have agree. anything that you would like to see them do? I mean, look, A.D. Mitchell's – I said throw A.D. Mitchell a jump ball one-on-one. He's not really a jump ball guy. And Texas really doesn't have a jump ball guy at wide receiver. They have really no. good players, but they JT don't have Sanders Colin is, Johnson, right? They don't have yeah, that J, guy. JT is probably fits more your jump ball guy yeah. than your other guy. Yeah. And he's not obviously traditional jump ball guy, but I'm with you. You don't have that presence in the red zone. Uh, you know, and I think honestly, the truth is, it could be Texas has always, because they came into this game 108th in touchdown percentage in the red yeah. zone. We talked about that, but it wasn't. A big issue because they were scoring so many touchdowns from explosive plays outside of the red zone that it wasn't necessarily a, a, a Shakespearean flaw for the offense after that performance in the Oklahoma game. And you could argue the game came down to Texas performance in a red zone or lack thereof. And even Sark it hinted at that. So I was like, hey man, if we could cash in on those, we were we had a goal line chance to score a touchdown, and we were right there and threw an interception in the red zone, going in with another yeah. chance to score a touchdown. I mean, that's your game in a nutshell, pretty much. And I think for Sark, I think he is going to go back to the kind of creative. First of all, analytically, he he, he hints that analytically they're going to look at this. Yeah. Basically, we looked at every play in the red zone. He said, look at every play, which means they're going to look at the effectiveness and the success rates and yards per play of every play in the red zone. Probably they might, you know, all the way back, they might even go back past uh, this season too, and go back to last season too, and look at it because what you need to identify if this is a if last season was a Bijan and Rojo thing, right? If your if your red zone thinking and mentality was more Bijan and Rojo related, and now post Bijan and Rojo, maybe you still have that same mentality, and maybe that you need to switch it up. I, I would study that as well because I even think that's the problem with the opening script now a little bit too. I think it was easier to write a script when you got A-listers like, you know, Denzel and Tom Hanks. Now you got, <laughs> you got, you got great players, but B.J. Right. Rosemary, it was pretty easy. They're right. getting half of, of everything in the red zone, and they're going to get a lot of snaps, probably half of those targets and rushes in your opening well, script. to your too. point, Rod, if you threw incomplete, incomplete to start the game with Bijan, you could still hand it to him and he can make two guys missing at nine yards and you're sitting at fourth and one with a decision to make. I mean, you didn't have to block everything perfectly. He could make exactly. masks – those great players help mask some deficiencies, right? Amen. We just talked about that with Dylan Gabriel. That offense wasn't perfect. Dylan no. Gabriel, you know, he found a way to make plays uh, and keep them out of negative plays. But I'll say this. I think they may go with a little bit of the the sixth offensive line package. I think so, you too. May see, you may see more of it. Even in the red zone, I got to go back and look at my notes and see how it's done in the red zone. So I'm just kind of throwing this out there based on the effectiveness and the productivity of it. But even against Oklahoma, it was probably your most successful either personnel grouping or a concept. When I went back and uh, looked at the numbers, Texas versus Oklahoma and that sixth offensive line package, keep in mind they ran Big 12, which is one back, two tight ends, Malik Ogbo as the extra tight end, and Big 11. First time I've ever seen it, by the way, yeah. when Malik Ogbo was out there as a sixth offensive lineman and just three with three wide receivers out there. I hadn't seen that, and I like that. 
I like but that. It, yeah, they average by my calculation over nine yards per play. Yeah, out of that six O line package against yeah. Oklahoma. Yes, the argument and over, you're talking about you're talking about eight yards per rush. You could the argument could be made that they should have ran more of it. Your 29 yard touchdown run was out of that. You had a 31 yard run out of that. And yeah. you, you try you didn't dominate the trenches in that game. Um, maybe one of the answers could have been the double downer in the Kansas game when JT Sanders gets hurt and you had a, you know, a JT Sanders that wasn't hundred percent. We don't know exactly how uh, they did. If they did a pitch count, Sark said there was no pitch count. They just monitored his movement. Right. So and seeing how he was moving well, but in the Kansas game, they had their highest rate, highest usage rate of that extra offensive line package after JT Sanders got hurt. Yes. And I thought in this game, it may be the way to supplement productivity too when JT Sanders got it. It changes your identity a little bit, but I'm telling you, in terms of passing, you're averaging over 10 yards per attempt out of it versus Oklahoma. It seemed to me like that. It might have been something you should have picked up on and ran with, but you know, Sark, Sark likes different personnel groupings. So I, I like the variety, but that, I'm telling you, that one was money. That was money versus Oklahoma. And we said, I said it would be, I didn't think it'd be that money. And, and Texas has a personnel advantage from here on out, which we'll get into. Uh, so I, it's going to be interesting to see how Sark attacks. Let's move the defense a little bit. See, uh, you know, Sark, uh, again, honest about it, right? I mean, honest I about it. giving up points at the end it, of the man. half, giving yep. up a touchdown at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, he really pointed to those two defensive series as the ones that were most costly. Yeah. Um, and and, and while I want to hit on that. Then I want to hit on what he said about Quinn. Then we're going to get to, again, uh, we're going to get to the last six games of the schedule. Uh, defensively, what do you think What do you think about what Sark had to say? What are kind of your thoughts now, that, you know, uh, 48 hours after? Uh, he opened up talking yes. about <laughs> the last series pretty much. I mean, he got into some stuff, but pretty much I think in the first – Maybe a couple, like a couple few minutes of the press conference, he himself unsolicited starts talking about that final drive. So it was on his mind, and he essentially admitted that there was a miscommunication. It was a coverage breakdown um, because he said the safeties were playing a different coverage than the corners on that Drake Stoops yes. play on the last drive. The big, the big one with Drake Stoops hit the catches it right over the middle. He admitted that was a busted coverage. He admitted that, I mean, like we all saw, missed tackles on the first couple of, uh, you know, throws on that last drive. Guys weren't um, disciplined in their their rush lanes on that the game-winning touchdown pass. He mentioned that too, right? He did. He did mention And he basically said, he didn't say this, but I'm paraphrasing. You got to go watch yourself. But it was it was essentially a microcosm of the game. Yeah. It was all the issues. He said all the issues that had been plaguing us the entire game defensively, they all – just they all materialized on the same drive. <laughs> uh, coverage breakdowns, miscommunications, not being disciplined in their pass rush lanes, not having an organic pass rush at all, missed tackles, which they had 13 of U.S. Pro Football Focus, yeah. uh, which I, I tracked, led to 130 additional yards after those missed tackles. That's big yardage, man. That's hey, a lot of yards. It's almost right? a third. I mean, look, they had 485 yards. I mean, that's that's a lot that's of yards. That's a uh, lot, that's of yards. lot of their production. Yeah, and so he, you can tell that is something that he was concerned with, and he brought up the fact that even on the last uh, play, the touchdown when he played, not only did you have the Benda breakdown in the back end, and by the way, shout out to Benda who took full yeah. ownership of it. I heard him; he was like, "Hey, it was me. It was me. I messed up." That's you guys. Trust me. Talk about stuff that you guys going to be successful in life. Amen, brother. Because that is oh, that's heartbreaking. I, yes. I guarantee you. Uh, yes. Trust me, because I've been there. 
right? And uh, so shout out to him for doing that. But part of part of that that was that wasn't the only bust. He said also there were there were guys who had uh gap. They they basically they had they had lost gap integrity because two guys were in the same gap on that play too, and they were trying to bring a pressure and they didn't. Obviously, the pressure did not match up with the communication breakdown the back end. So uh, yeah, he basically said it was a microcosm of the entire game defensively for him. Yeah, you know we've uh, we talked about. Here's where I think it's interesting, Rod. And the more I've thought about this, you know, until that last drive of the game, Dylan Gabriel, he had hurt. He had been really good, but he wasn't necessarily great in the game. He was nine, what nineteen to thirty four, fifty five percent, fifty six percent, about twenty five yards at that point. Yeah. In the game. So it's not like he was shredding Texas. So my question is, what did, what did you say? Texas brought the blitz 12 times in that game? That's what Pro Football Focus says, yeah. 12 times out of, what, 81 snaps on offense? Only, only once on that last drive, but that was the last play. So the question is, like, moving forward, I mean, how one, are you going to play an offense this talented again? Are you going to play a quarterback this good again? So – what do you really need to change defensively moving forward? I mean, because look, Oklahoma had 485 yards. That last drive of the game, what they went 75, right? So they had 410 yards. Um, what would you change? What do you think needs to be changed? Because again, Dylan Gabriel had a really, it was almost his legs that hurt Texas more than his arm to me. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, there's a little give and take there because. For PK, you're like, man, look, we had two drives that didn't go well. Outside those two drives, it's a good team we played. It was a good yeah. team you played. The quarterback didn't, he didn't, they weren't throwing the ball down the field. They weren't strike, they weren't striking up the band on 60-yard touchdown passes. So what for for you thinking about it, what needs to change? Does anything need to change? Or is it more just, hey, these guys have to play better in what they're asked to do? Maybe you bring more pressure in certain situations. Yeah, I think against Dylan Gabriel, because you make the great point, they're not going to face a quarterback, you know, as skilled as Dylan Gabriel until they face Dylan Gabriel again. Not in the Big 12. They just, it's not going to happen until they get to hopefully you know, a, a bigger game, a college right. football playoff, that kind of thing. Um, but if you look at that that game, the way that it was playing out, it was pretty clear that the, the tempo and Dylan Gabriel's legs were intentional and deliberate. By the way, the tempo yes. was just a part of the the, the, DNA, the DNA of the offensive yes. system, the beer and shoot. But the legs, Dylan Gabriel, he had his um, highest uh, uh, number of rushing attempts in his career. And yards. Right? And, and, and he, yeah, obviously far and away. By 40. <laughs> you know, about 35 or 40. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty obvious that that was part of their solution. They knew they couldn't run the football against Texas. Right. So they said, let's go with the non-traditional running game. And that's what they did. So I think for for, for Texas, if yeah, PK, I just didn't like the way they adjusted. It seems like the adjustment in that game, like you said, they weren't making big plays down the field, but in that on that last drive, the adjustment right. of bringing some pressure should have came earlier. But how can I say that when Sarge just admitted there were coverage busts? So the coverage didn't even work the way it was intended because right. the guys busted the coverage, and then the guys missed tackles early on. So it could just come down to execution. If they tackle better in this game. What does that mean, right? Just simple execution. If you don't have the coverage bus and guys just play, you know, really consistent coverage and they're where they're supposed to be, alignment, assignment, football, what does that mean? Because it wasn't a complicated route they ran on the goal right. line, guys. It was a pretty simple route concept on a switch route. 
Yeah, yeah, it was. Rod, I want to go back to this, though, because, I mean, you played the position at the highest level. It's difficult, though, when you're a corner or DB and, and your teammates aren't getting pressure. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Because you're sitting there covering for those two split seconds longer. So you're farther out away from your teammates in the open field when this guy catches a football. And you've already ran more than you probably have all season going into that game in coverage because Texas have been getting pressure, right? You didn't have to cover for two seconds against Baylor. Yep, I know. Jalen Monroe, you really didn't – I mean – He's not that kind of threat. He's not that kind of threat. So, but that's why the pressure is so important to me in this game because I don't care how talented DBs are, man. You know, it's hard to cover three, four, five seconds. Then you've you what they you change directions two or three times, right? Then you're coming out of a break. That guy's catching the football, and then you're in the open field one on one, and you know there's nobody really behind you. So if you don't make that tackle, that dude's going for fifteen or twenty more. I mean, yeah. that's where the pressure is so paramount defensively. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, according to Pro Football Focus, he had over three seconds, which is average time to throw. Um, so he was pretty relaxed in the pocket. We talked about how comfortable he was in that offense. He's not in that ball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think PK should have seen at one point, all right, my guys might have been holed up, but like you said, they didn't give up any big plays. I think they were – I think PK was waiting on the offense to bail him out. Yeah. I think he was waiting on the offense to bail him out. And it started to at one point. Yeah. And I think he was just, all right, I just got to. And by the way, they started to stop Oklahoma consistently toward the end of the game, right before that drive. So I see why they had false confidence, right? I think they had a, they had a missed field goal, a punt right before that. That was a turnover on downs, I think, yep. before that as well. Yep. So I, I believe they, yep. yes. So I believe they thought, okay, all right, we got this. And that, that was a false confidence for that last drive because they had multiple breakdowns on that one drive. And that's basically what led to the points. So I think for Texas, if you go up against a quarterback that good again, and maybe Will Howard's that guy, but he struggled so far. They're this just going to run him against Texas. I would. 
I would. Yes, I would. And that's why I wish, and people say Jalen Daniels wouldn't matter. I wish Texas had seen Jalen Daniels. Yeah, exactly. I think you're the, spot on, Rod. The week before. Just because I believe in this coaching staff's ability to solve problems. I would say coaches are problem solvers. Remember that Rice game and how we thought the offensive line was going to be a disaster in Tuscaloosa. We were like, man, this is not going to be good if Rice was able to get, you know what I mean, to yeah. get the best of that offensive line. Then it looks like Bama's going to dominate that O-line. That was not the case at all. That that they Sark said, we see the issues and we address them. They went good on good. They fixed the issues during that week and they looked great versus Bama. I think if they those issues about coverage, uh, running quarterbacks, um, playing a quarterback who actually has, uh, can can place the ball, you know, on the money, ball placement, a guy that actually can test the secondary, you can force them to cover for more than three, four seconds. I believe they faced Jalen Daniels. He would expose some of these issues. And the game plan against Oklahoma might have been a little bit different. It might have been tweaked and maybe it lacked, it would have lacked that false confidence I think they had about the pressure they could create and the coverage that they could have on the back end. All right, this is, again, this is Talking Ball. My name is Jerry Hamilton here with Rod Babers. I'm going to take a second to thank our sponsor again, John Donovan. Before we get into the six remaining regular season games for Texas and why, Rod, I think Texas should go 11-1. and They still have to go do it, and that doesn't mean there's not going to be close games, so we want to get into that a little bit. Oh, yeah. uh, again, thank you to uh, John Donovan, uh, president of Longhorn Wealth Management Group, for being the sponsor of Talking Ball. John's a proud University of Texas grad and a CFP. And while UT football does have an off week, Longhorn Management Group never takes an off week from providing total wealth management services to their fellow University of Texas alumni and University of Texas employees and their respective families and friends who John has been proudly serving for over 30 years. October is breast cancer and liver cancer awareness month. So Longhorn Wealth wants to remind you that bad things do happen to good people. So please plan ahead and let Longhorn Wealth provide you and your loved ones the best independent life, disability, and long-term care insurance solutions for your protection and peace of mind. To learn how Longhorn Wealth can help provide you the most appropriate insurance protections and investment solutions for you and your family and your business, give John and Longhorn Wealth team a call at 972-707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net. Again, thank you to John Donovan, Longhorn Wealth Management Group. All right, Rod, halfway through the regular season. Texas is 5-1, and one, ranked 9. I know it feels for the Texas fans like the sky was falling, and it did fall for about 48 hours. It, that's tough. I was there. It was a brutal game to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think the thing that – I'll use Sark's term, sucked, but walking out of that stadium is you still, <laughs> think, is you still think Texas is the better team. Agreed. They had three turnovers. They had a five-yard running into the punter penalty. They dropped an interception in the end zone. And they still were up 30-27 with a minute and 15 to go against a team who's really good. So six games left. Week off. I think now Bobby thinks they it'd be better go play. I'm for the week off to get healthy right now, but I get where Bobby's coming from. So we're not talking about that. But okay, let's go through these six games. At Houston. Uh, on the road, 3 p.m. That was announced today, 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central on Fox against U of H. Then it's BYU-K State at home at TCU at Iowa State, Texas Tech. The one mm-hmm. thing, Rod, I think we both agreed on going into this season, is this schedule really set up well for Sark if they got through the first half of it? 
Yep. And now you're through the first half of it and you're five and one. And you may not totally control your destiny uh, until West Virginia takes a loss or two, but all your goals are still in front of you and are still attainable. And I think that's so important for these guys heading into the off week and then the U of H game. Uh, what, what do you kind of look at? I mean, uh, at this schedule right now, how it sets up for Texas. And let's, uh, I want to ask you this. There's going to be a game that's close. Maybe yep. we're down at halftime. There's going to be a game that you're in the fourth quarter in. On this schedule right now, who are you kind of looking at? Not where, And look, for Texas fans, we're not sitting here underestimating people. We're not predicting blowout wins. That's no. We're just looking at the six games left and kind of talking about what's in front of this team. Yeah. Um, right now, from what I – and I, I was thinking K-State would be that game early on in the season. I think everybody did. Uh, I still think it can be. Uh, there's a good chance that K-State with Will Howard present some problems as a dual-threat quarterback. The last good dual-threat quarterback you're going to face now, he's been struggling this year. He hasn't been consistent, and K-State is missing Deuce Bond. Uh, you can tell they're missing uh, Brents in the secondary, yes. missing some of those guys that went to the uh, to the NFL level. Um, but, I man, I, I do think they got a hell of a coach, hell of a head coach, and I like Will Howard. So I still say K-State will be one just to watch. Even though they're not a threat to win the Big 12 anymore, uh, doesn't mean that they're not a team that can be a, present some problems, be a good matchup, especially for the Texas defense. I'm more worried about the defense right now than the Texas offense. Right. The Texas offense got a tweak. They got to fix the red zone issues. But, hell, man, right now they're well, – they're, they're gaining like four or 500 yards every game. <laughs> Rod, two, Rod, two games in the Big 12, 661 yards against Kansas, 527 in a neutral game against Oklahoma, and yeah. left so much on the field again, right? Exactly. That's so why Texas, I'm like, yeah, Texas averaged 600 damn yards a game. And so if they fix the red, by the way, if Texas fixed the red zone issue, they're not losing a game no. in the regular season, period. People won't be able to score them. But BYU and K-State for me, Rod, and here's why I say that. I had K-State circle before the season. Me too. Because I thought K-State, their interior, their offensive line could take away Texas's strength. That's the one mm -hmm. team that could say, all right, fine Sweat, fine Murphy, fine Collins. We got two NFL guys at guard. Bring it. Mm -hmm. I think BYU is really good on the offensive line too. Now, the, the big tackle, Sutam Ayana, he, he got hurt. I'm not sure when he's coming back, if he's back. But those two teams have the best offensive lines left on the board, to your I point. I agree. I like to, that. To your point, uh, but they're yeah. both home games, and they both have to turn around and stop Texas. And K-State has been woeful in the secondary this year. I I, I have a yeah. tough time seeing it. Yeah, I, agree. I, don't, know, I don't know how uh, K-State's going to stop Texas. I'm with you on the BYU one. That was going to be my next one. I like that, BYU. And honestly, I, all these games feel like trap games now, considering where <laughs> Texas is. Uh, but if I had to go a, a, just a, a third one to throw out there, and I'll give Bobby credit because Bobby is thinking about it too. Texas Tech, man, they yeah. may be getting sneaky, and that would be their Super Bowl. You got to keep in mind that's oh, their yeah. Super Bowl. It, that's and by the way, this was Oklahoma. This was their Alabama, right? Yes. They they prepped for it all off season long. That's why you got two guys that got uh, horn uh, horn horns down tattoos. Yes. Right? You see yeah. that? Is that real? Stuff's been got a horns down tattoo. I'm sh I'm sh I'm shocked that took him that long. I mean, he's been out, he's been he's he left Orlando three years ago. He's been in Norman three years now. I mean, I'm shocked it took that long. Oh man! But so yeah, I think that's my concern. I think my if I had to pick a third game to be concerned about, um, TCU is that you're at TCU that could be troublesome. But you the only time you got to leave the state is Iowa State, and yeah. 
we know that team is bereft of talent that because of the scandal that went on. That's why everything feels like a trap game because none of these teams should be able to play with you, really, for four quarters. Yes. But we know, Gigi said it, we know there's going to be a game where the Texas is going to win it on the last drive, and there's going to be a game where they got to win it in the fourth quarter. Hey, we'll come down to multiple games like that. Um, and I, I trust this team is ready to do it. I just don't, I, do I think K State and BYU are most likely those contests. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Totally agree. And that's Rod Babers, and my, I'm Jerry Hamilton. And that has been this week's edition of Talking Ball. We'll be back next week previewing Houston. We're going to get back to uh, looking at a, a position in recruiting, talk mm -hmm. about U of H, get back to a little bit of recruiting stuff. I, I may just go top five targets on the board uh, next week and just have Rod watch those guys. He's watched two or three of them before. Uh, you know, Kobe Black, who was at Texas OU this weekend, didn't make the official visit to AM. So I'm pretty much putting a fork in AM. They're done at this point. Yeah. So uh, I think they're done in that recruitment. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think next week, that's what we're going to hit on. We're going to hit on the top five targets on the board in recruiting, and we're going to get ready for that U of H game. Uh, which will be a, a home game for Texas in a lot of ways. So, all right, that for for Rod Babers is Jerry Hamilton. This has been this week's edition of Talking Ball. Okay.